Welcome to the Campus Rush Podcast. We believe that God will speak through this word and meet you right at the point of your need. We hope that God will bless you through this message. Hey, I want to talk for um, just a few minutes tonight. Really something God has been laying on my heart. And um, I struggled uh, with God. Sometimes you can, you know, negotiate with him to say, you know, can I change the word? Can I, uh, can I preach something else? Uh, can I push this to next week? But it was really something that God has been ministering to me uh, personally this last little bit um, of, of, the, of the summer. And God would implore it on my heart to be able to minister to you today. Um, I want you to just help me tap to uh, maybe a couple people around you and just tell them, neighbor, there is more. There is more. There is more. There is more. I believe that everything that God has brought us to has literally only been a precursor for what he's about to bring us to. If you have the eyes of faith, you'll be able to see that God always does things in times, in seasons, in places, in spaces, in eras. God always does things precept upon precept, line upon line. The fact that you've been at this level is only an indication that this is not it for you, but yet still there is more. If I can indulge you for the next few minutes, I want to minister on that subject because I believe that there is more for your life I believe that this is not the end for you. I believe that this is the beginning for you. And you might have heard this as a religious thing that people say and preachers say, you know, God is not done with you yet. But I've received a confirmation in my spirit, Pastor Oba. I don't ever minister something that God never tells me to say. And I really felt impressed in my spirit, Pastor Toro, that God was really saying that this is not the end. I feel that many times what happens in our faith and in our walk with God is that we get to places and we get comfortable in where we are and we get settled. Matter of fact, Nick, what we end up doing is we end up building houses where God has told us to put a tent. And a lot of times we make our temporary position a permanent residence. But I believe that if God is a God of the new and if God is a God of the next, It means that future is in his nature. It means that next steps are in his DNA. It means that if we serve this God, he begins to look at our lives from the end of it and directs it from the beginning. I've come to speak to three people, maybe four, hopefully ten, that God is not done with your story. He's not done. He's not ended. He's beginning. He hasn't stopped I believe that where you've placed a period, God has only just placed a comma. He's not ended. He's just beginning. In fact, there is more that God wants to do through your life, in your life, and with your life. Minister and prophesy to somebody. Say, this is not the end. This is just the beginning. This is not the end. Would you all bring it for me? This is not the end. This is just the beginning. I want us to jump to Psalms 8. 
God has been ministering this to me, and it's been wrecking me, and I've been like, God, really? And he's like, this is what I want you to understand. And it's so elementary that I, I'm find, I was finding it difficult to digest because of a concept that is so elementary. But yet it's so fundamental to our faith. Many times, let me just pause right there to say this, that many times what happens in our faith is that the elementary things that are the foundational things to get us to a place, once we get to a place, we begin to forget the elementary things. We forget what brought us to where God wanted us to be. And we end up falling off or not holding on to the faith. Psalms verses 8, chapter 8 rather, verses 1. I'd want us to read this together. Uh, Let's do it in the NKJV, if you don't mind. Let's do it in the NKJV, all right? Let's read this together in the NKJV version. One, two, three, and go. And you have crowned him with glory and honor. Let me just stop right there. I want us, we're going to really focus. I know we were using this scripture through our 72 hours of prayer. I I want us to focus on verses 3 and verses 4. I'm telling you, when God began to minister this to me, Pastor David, it literally rocked me. I've, I've been uncomfortable all week because of a revelation that I can't understand. And it's something that God has really been dealing with me. And he says, I want you to be able to minister this to, your, to, to, to the church tonight. Uh, in the message version, this scripture reads it like this. It says, I look up at your macro skies. Does anybody study economics here? Anybody study econs? People are like, I hated econs. I, didn't want... I see some people who studied econs. Well, I think it's, it's about the same concept. I studied social work when I was at Carleton in my undergraduate degree. A couple of social workers here. Come on. And, um, oh, really? Is there actually social workers? Awesome. That's amazing. It's so rare. It's so rare to find actually, to actually find social workers. Um, uh, but uh, when I was studying social work, uh, JC, I don't know if you remember, uh, we took a course, and the course was talking about the macro, the micro, the mezzo. Do you remember that? You remember that for real? Okay, cool. For real, for real. It, it was talking about the macro and the micro, and, and to put it within context, the, the macro was talking about organizations, talking about groups, talking about working with people groups, uh, while the micro was talking about an individual level of a one-on-one uh, conversation that you're having with somebody or a one-on-one counseling session that you'd be having with somebody. And so this scripture borrows that concept in the message version and says that I look up at your macro skies, meaning the bigger things that you are doing. I look up at the bigger picture, the macro skies, dark and enormous, and I look at your your handmade sky jewelry. I love that. It says, I look at your handmade sky jewelry, the things that you're designing, that the things that you've been drawing, the stars that you hung, the, the sky that you placed there, the sun that you told to be there, the, 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 the sea that you told to stop at a position. And it says, when I look at the sky jewelry, the moon and the stars mounted in their settings, it says, then I look at my micro self. So it's a comparison between the macro that God has designed 
and the micro that is your individual life. And it's saying this. It says, God, when I consider, this is David speaking. He says, when I consider your macro, and then I begin to look and consider the fact that you are interested in my micro, it blows my mind. It blows my mind. He says, then I look at my micro self and I wonder, why do you bother with us? Pastor Nana, this concept, I've struggled with it for this whole week. I don't understand why God is so mindful of us. Eileen, I've, I've, I've wrestled with this concept. I say, God, we always fail you. Why do you still think about us? Oh, my gosh. Pastor Kelvin, this thing has rocked me for the last four days. To think of this. I am a terrible drawer. Disclaimer. I'm just putting that out there. This is just for illustration purposes. All right? Don't laugh at me. So, everybody's going to laugh at me. I know it. Anyways, so... This concept, Pastor Oba, of understanding this very thing, that as God in heaven, you see, this scripture is only within context if you understand when God was creating the stars and when he was creating the heavens and when he was designing this. If you go back to Genesis, you understand that that was the beginning where God began to design the earth where he began to hang the stars. So this very thought then comes into being with this scripture in mind, that in the beginning, someone shout in the beginning. Shout it again, say in the beginning. The Bible says in the beginning, God created the what? Heavens and? In the beginning, God created the? And the? One last time for good luck. In the beginning, God created the? And the? So in the beginning, there God was. And in the beginning, God began to design the heavens and the earth. He began to, this is how I do my stars, all right? He began to draw the stars. He began to hang the stars. He began to hang the stars. He began to create the earth. He began to hang things where they were. Now, the Bible says it like David says it. He says, I can't understand that while you were designing the heavens and the earth in your macro, You were thinking about me at my micro. I love the fact that we serve a God that even though his hands are busy with the earth, is still interested in what you will eat. This side's sleeping. I I love the fact that we serve a God That even though in the beginning, someone shout, in the beginning. In the beginning, he created the heavens. In the beginning, he designed the earth. In the beginning, he designed the land. He always had you in mind. I've come to tell somebody tonight that you are still special to God. You are still on his mind. He's never stopped thinking about you from the beginning up until now you are the primary thing on his mind now this means nothing to somebody who hasn't been through anything 
Am I in a room full of people who've been through stuff? You've been through. And listen, listen. I didn't come here to play tonight. I didn't, I didn't come here to mess around. I, I'm looking for people who've been through something. If you've been through a situation, let me see your hand. You've been through some mess. You've been through some struggle. Sam, this means nothing to nobody who's never been through anything. But if you've ever been through a night season, if you've ever been like Jacob in the cave, I feel the anointing now. If you've ever been like Moses where he's like, God, how can you use my mouth? I don't know how to speak. How can I go and deliver people when I can't even deliver myself? Where I will go and I will kill somebody and I'm a murderer now. How can you use me? God says, I saw that. And I put it aside because I was still thinking about you in your mess. Have a seat, have a seat. Oh my God. You see, the NKJV version says like this. KJV says, who is man? That you are mindful of us. It means you designed us. You won't even allow us to be free. You are still thinking about us. I'm here to preach to somebody who's been through a dark season. I'm here to preach to somebody who's in a dark season. God is still thinking about you. You're the primary thing on his mind. I remember I was 16 years old. I fell in love. <laughs> Pastor, where the heck did that come from? I was 16 and I fell in love, Sharon. I, I, I found myself in a relationship. I was 16 years old. I, was, I loved this girl with everything in me. And um, she always used to tell me something. She said, she said, babe, I love, I love something. I love when you just give me those random text messages. I was like, okay, I give you a lot of random text messages. What's your favorite one? You know the one that she loves that much? <laughs> babe, just checking up on you. I'm thinking about you. She said, that did something to me that not a lot of people would understand. The fact that another human being was thinking about me when I was struggling in my mess, when I was crying at night, the fact that somebody was thinking about me meant everything. So if somebody with flesh and bone can say, I'm thinking about you, and that have an effect on another individual, when you begin to allow the revelation of the fact that God, hey, who designed the heavens, oh my God. He, you're his primary thought in the morning. This has wrecked me. I can never be the same. And this message should mark you for the rest of your life. That whatever it is that you're doing, God has already planned it out for you. Listen, you're not making mistakes. You're making progress. Don't let everybody lie to you. Don't let anybody tell you different. You're not making mistakes. You're not making errors in your walk. You are making progress. Because even if you go back, God has calculated it in. You are not a mistake. You are not an entity. You are on God's mind. God is thinking of you. Please have a seat. He's thinking of you. You're on his mind. Prophesy to your neighbor and say, God is thinking of you. You see, 
God loves you so much. He loves you so much, yeah. And they say, God loves you so much. He's so interested in you that he pulls you from your yesterday into your today to prepare you for your tomorrow. Let me repeat that. God is so interested in you, Sarah, that he pulls you from your mess into a training facility to prepare you for your tomorrow's destination. You see, the Bible says in Matthew that Peter was actually a fisherman. He had no intentions of being a man of God. Let me preach to the people who said ministry is not for them. This God thing is not for me. This, listen, I love people who are not completely sold on the fact that, that God is sovereign. Because I love to show them that not just through the power of God, but through the love of God. A message like this. Everybody who's struggling with knowing God is real should hear the fact that God in heaven is thinking about you every day. He pulls you from your yesterday into your today. The Bible says Jesus was walking by. He was looking for his disciples, Luke. As he was looking for his disciples, you know what he did? Instead of picking the people and the scribes and people who were elected, people who should be the people he's rolling around with. In fact, he goes and picks tax collectors. You know who tax collectors were? Tax collectors were hustlers. <laughs> Tax collectors were guys who were just hustle people. They would tell you, yeah, give me this amount of money. Then they would take this and save that and then rip you off. And they would do that type of stuff. Those type of people were people that people wanted to be around. Tax collectors, they, they, they were amongst the people who, yes, were rich. But the way that which they got there was a little suspect. <laughs> but yet Jesus says, this is the one that I want. He goes and picks Matthew. He sees Peter there. He says, I know you're a fisherman. I know you have a business. But can I make you a fisher of men? I know you have something that's going on for you. But can I give you spiritual quantum if you can leave your natural necessity? Can I take you to a different place? So he goes to Peter and he says, listen, I see you by the fishes. I see that you are fishing for fish. But I want you to do something else. I want you to fish for men. And when you fish for men, you will never go hungry again. I'm giving you a solution beyond the taking you to a, a river and giving you water i'm giving you a solution that's teaching you how to fetch for water yourself so he goes to peter he says come with me i'm bringing you from your yesterday into today to prepare you for your tomorrow so this is what he does he pulls peter from the side of the river and he says roll with me and every day they're rolling together peter's making mistakes and Peter gets to the point where Judas sells out Jesus all within the plan of God. It's a different message. I'm not going there. And they come to arrest Jesus. You know what Peter does? All of you guys know what he did. He takes his sword. And what do he do? He cuts off the ear of the soldier. And he's like, you're not taking Jesus. This man, he took me from my yesterday and he brought me to my today. Oh, my God. Oh. But do you know that this is, oh my God, I can't even preach. The revelation is too much. Can I preach tonight? I'm trying to preach. This is why Jesus says, Peter, relax, I must go so that the will of the Father can be fulfilled. 
That is why Jesus was preparing the disciples to say, listen, I must go and be with the Father. Then I will send my spirit down to you. So in between coming from yesterday into today, which is the training, there must be some separation to prepare you for your tomorrow. There must be some separation to prepare you for tomorrow. So Jesus says, listen, I've pulled you from your yesterday. I've brought you into today. You are now working with me. You're knowing all the things of ministry. You're making mistakes. You're doing all these things under my guide, under my presence. But yet still, you will betray me. But yet still, God is still thinking of you, Peter. So you betray God, but you're still number one thing on his mind. Someone shout mercy. Shout mercy again. Shout mercy, shout mercy, shout it like a believer, say mercy. You mess up, but God still has you on his mind. You make mistakes, but he's still thinking of you. So Peter, I don't know if anybody been in that position before. I've been in that position way too many times where I tell God, that God, this is the last time. Anybody told God this is the last time? Anybody told God this is the last time? I'm not going to his house no more. This is the last time. I'm not sleeping with her anymore. This is the last time. I swear I'm not smoking no more. This is the last time. And then the last time becomes the next time. Last time becomes the next time. And the next time becomes the next time. And the last time becomes the next time. The last time becomes the next time. And now you are still here and you're telling God, next time. This is the last time. Peter was in that position. He said, God, I would never leave you. I would never betray you. I would never do anything. Why? Because I understand you brought me from my yesterday into my today. But in your today, there are challenges of today that you must go through. There is a separation you must endure. There are challenges and tests that you must go through. And when you go through them, at the end of the day, there will be a point where God will say, I'm going and I'm placing you in a position where it may be dark for a little bit. But it's just to let you know that even in your darkness, I'm thinking of you. I don't know who you've been. I don't know where you've been. I don't know who you are. But even in the times where God leaves you, you're still on his mind. Even in the times where God has departed you, you think he's left you. You're still on his mind. He's still thinking about you. My gosh. Someone shout, I'm priority. Shout it again, say, I'm priority. You're not God's side chick. Listen, he wasn't designing the heavens and the earth. You're not a side piece, okay? He wasn't designing the heavens and the earth and putting the stars and doing all the stuff like this while on the text message answering another phone call. He wasn't, listen, he was designing the stars at the macro, still thinking about your macro, micro. There was no distractions. God is not a God of distraction. He's not a God that gets easily distracted. In fact, he can't be distracted because he's omnipresent. He's omniscient. He thinks about all things at the same time. He thinks about you. He's thinking about you, Rebecca. He's thinking about you chisholm he's thinking about you selling at the same time he has enough energy he has enough sovereignty to answer you and you and you all in the same place but yet still be in another place working why because we serve a god who does not sleep nor slumber i'm gonna quit i'm wrecking some people's theology But the truth of the matter is, God is thinking about you. You see, God loves you, number two. God loves you so much that he leaves the 99 for the one. He's so interested in you 
Number one, like I said, he's so interested in you that he doesn't leave you at your yesterday. He brings you from your yesterday into today to prepare you for your tomorrow. Number two, God is so interested in you. You're so much on his mind that he leaves the 99 for the one. That's why in the multitude of people going, while Jesus was going to heal Jairus' daughter, while he's in the process of going to do a miracle, you understand that his miracle was interrupted. And then we find a story within a story. We find the woman with the issue of blood. How is it so that out of all the multitudes, Jesus would stop for the woman with the issue of blood? That's because even though he had another assignment on his mind, you are still yet important to him. That he has enough to stop and still answer you. He leaves the 99 for the one. You see, God is so interested in you. Just like the Bible says in Luke 15. The Bible says that, that there was a man who had two sons. The man had two sons and one of the sons stayed home while the other one went to go spend all his inheritance on wild living. Yet still, when the son came back, this, the father still accepted him. It's a story of the prodigal son. That was a parable Jesus was giving to let you know that even when you go out and you spend what you shouldn't spend and you do what you haven't done, what you shouldn't do, there's still space for you. You're still on his mind. Now, to bring this full circle, God ministered to me and said, he's so interested in each and every one of your destinies and your lives. He's so invested in your futures that it's of an analogy that he's at the door knocking, waiting and looking for space to express his interest to you. Yet, for not everybody here, but for a select few people, every time he knocks on the door, you never open it. Every time he expresses interest, you don't open the door. God says that we are to take on the attitude in this church at this time. This is the scripture we're going to pray from. And this is an invitation for God to take you to the deeper realms. This is an invitation for God to take you into the realms of the deep. It's right here in Psalm 63. You can help me with some keys right here. Psalm 63, it says this. It says, oh God, you are my God. This is the attitude we're taking on as a church, as a ministry, as a people. I want this to be your mantra. I want this to be something that you read daily. This should be something that you, you begin to use as a way of breaking the old wineskin. It says, oh God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you. This is David. In the parched and weary land where there is no water. Verses 2. I have seen you in your sanctuary. I've gazed upon your power and your glory. Your unfailing love is better than life itself. How I praise you. I will praise you as long as I live, lifting up my hands to you in prayer. You satisfy me more than the richest feast. And that's where I want you to underline in verses 5. Is that God is so interested in you that he's waiting for you to create space in your heart. So that he can satisfy you. He wants to satisfy you. There is a reason why everything you've tried in this world hasn't satisfied you. It's because there is a longing in your heart and there is a place in a void in your spirit, in your heart, that only God can fill. 
There's a reason why you've tried everything else, yet still it's not working. There's a reason why you've gone from place to place, you've Googled everything you can Google, yet still no answer. There was a reason for that. It's because simply there is a space that God has been longing to fill. He's interested about you. He's interested in you. You're on his mind, but create space so that he can satisfy you. Create space that he can satisfy you. Let's be on our feet tonight. 1 Corinthians 16 verse 19 says it like this, verse 9. It says, there is a great and an effectual door that has opened to me. Yet there are many who oppose me. God is interested. He's looking for space to satisfy. But in process of creating space for God to satisfy, it means that there must be an action towards creating space. How does it look like to create space? It looks like surrender. That's how it looks like. Creating space looks like surrender. The way you create space in your heart is by telling God, I know you are interested in me. God, you are thinking of me. Who am I that you are mindful of me? God, you think about me day and night. As you hung the stars, you were thinking of me. I've been on your mind. Yet God, I now need you to be in my life. So I create space by surrendering to your sovereignty. By acknowledging the fact that you are omnipotent. See, that's what worship is. And that's what worship does. I tweeted the other day. I said that worship, I said you have to be mindful not to fall in love with the culture of worship. Worship is a genre of music. And a lot of people can listen to worship music thinking they're worshiping. But it's beyond music. Worship is an act of revelation of the sovereignty of God. Worship is an act of revelation out of the many things that God has done in your life, out of the things that he's produced in your life, out of the ways that he showed you he is sovereign. Through that revelation, what has happened is this, is then music, dancing, arts, all these things become expressions of the revelation of worship. So when you receive a revelation in your heart and in your spirit, you receive a witness in your heart and your spirit of the sovereignty of God, of his omnipotence, of how much he's excellent, of how much he's a provider. Then what begins to happen is then you begin to now indulge and engage in worship. When you engage in worship, worship is an act. You know, the word uh, worship actually means proscunio, which means to actually lie prostrate. What that means is I am acknowledging the fact that you are everything and I am nothing. When you go on your knees, when you stretch your hands, stretching your hands is a sign to say that I actually surrender. I surrender. I surrender. When you surrender, when you go on your knees, when you begin to sing songs to God in adoration and acknowledging of who he is, what happens is you begin to create space for his interest in you to now find way to germinate in your spirit to the point where he's not just thinking about you, but he's working in you. Am I ministering to anybody at all? Am I speaking to anybody at all? I'm teaching. Are, are, are you receiving this tonight? Are you receiving this? This is a message you have to listen time and time again. You have to go back and listen to it. You have to go back and listen to a message like oh, all the time, constantly listening to this. 
Because God told me there is more. The first part in acknowledging that there is more is firstly you acknowledging that he's thinking about you. A lot of people believe that there's not more for them because they think God has forgotten about them. Listen, God has not forgotten about you. You're special to him. You've been through stuff, so what? You've been through dirt, so what? You've messed up, so what? Jacob was a fraudster, so what? His name changed from Jacob to Israel. Then the 12 tribes came out of him. God can use anybody. You've been on his mind. The reason why you haven't manifested is because you can't believe the revelation that he's thinking about you. You can't believe it. God has always been thinking about you. Now all he wants you to do is to create space so that he can now work in you. When God begins to work in you, that's when you begin to see the fruit of the seed he's placed in you. There's a seed of thought that I want to be able to implant within your spirit. And that thought is very simple. God has always been thinking about you. He will never stop thinking about you. I've given you some few keys to help you create space. I want us to be able to engage and act in that. Some of the keys I've given you, the keys of worship. Within the keys of worship is there's the raising of hands. There was the prostrating on the ground. There was kneeling. There was rolling. There's acts that you can do. There's singing from your heart. There's things that you can do to be able to create room within your spirit. For it not just to be written word, but for the Logos now to become rhema. Living, breathing word in you. I indulge you for the next three minutes. Can you begin to worship God as an act of creating space for more? Create space for more. Open up your mouths right where you are. If you have to kneel, kneel. If you have to come to this altar to repent before you start, do what you got to do. If you got to raise your hands, raise your hands. If you have to sing in the spirit, sing in the spirit. Create room in your spirit because God has always been thinking about you. You've always been a thought in his mind. But now is the time where the thought now needs to become an action. The thought now needs to become activated. He doesn't just want to think about you. He wants to work in you. He wants to find a home in you. He wants to germinate in you he wants to be available so that you can use him at the time that you need open up your mouth right where you are thank you for tuning in to the campus rush podcast if you enjoyed this message and want to partner with us visit us at www.campusrush.org to become a global partner or to partner with us in giving